0: A very good morning to you. I love the vineyard. I love the vineyard, how we love to talk and chat. It's great. Come and find a seat. Last weekend in the evening service, Helen and James Kite did an incredible job. And also, just want to highlight that Mickey White led worship with James. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> So, I, you know, that's a one to watch. Wonderful. And James and Helen Kite were awesome too. Oh, what a joy to be able to preach to you this morning. What a joy. As you know, this week, we're joining with the churches across the nation, and indeed the world, with the Archbishop of Canterbury and York's initiative, Thy Kingdom Come. And so this week and all of next week, and actually starting on last Thursday, we're going to focus on prayer. And I thought, what better way to start this morning than by us joining together and praying the Lord's Prayer. So why don't you stand? And let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why don't you take a seat? If you've got a Bible, please come with me to Exodus 3. That's where we're going to start, and then we're going to move to Exodus 33. In Exodus 3, we see the first meeting of God and Moses, the first encounter that they have together. And Moses on the far side of the desert, I mean, that must have been the far side of the desert, looking after his father, Lord Sheep far away from anything and anywhere, or anywhere or anyone, at Horeb, the mountain of God. When, as you all know from the story, he encounters a burning bush. Exodus 3, verse 1 to 5. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he fled the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. And God said, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing on is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This encounter that Moses has was the, was with the burning bush is God calling Moses so Moses having fled from Pharaoh is now tending sheep on the far side of the desert he's far away from anywhere or anything and after all Moses had after all Moses had been through up to this point he have, must have been searching for a deep understanding of what it was why he was there searching for God trying to work out what's been going on and it was out of this place of searching that this strange thing occurred, and God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, he said, God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And something to remember here is, do you see that Moses hides his face because he is afraid to look at God? But whether Moses was afraid or not, God had a mission for him. And it was to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said to Moses, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So over the next 30 chapters, you see in Exodus, and we haven't got time now to go through it, but if you don't know the story, it is a really good and great story, so worth reading. And we see how Moses goes to Pharaoh and set the captives free, all amongst some incredible stories of miracles. So Moses had this encounter with God in the burning bush. He's given his mandate to set the Israelites free, So let's now go very, let's go forward to Exodus 33. So Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting and outside the camp. And whenever Moses, went out to the te- whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at their entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance of their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one would speak to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And another translation, it means they say, show me your face is ready to see God's face. And this is an incredible passage. And there are just a few things I would like to highlight here. The tent of meeting was a place where Moses could meet with God, where there was no noise. There was space to think and seek God and to hear what the Lord was saying to him. In verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man would speak to a friend. That's quite a turnaround from chapter 3, when Moses wants to hide from God because he was afraid. Now they talk to one another face to face. The man would speak to a friend. And that's what God is wanting to do with us all. God wants to speak with us all face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And sometimes we want to run and hide And sometimes we may feel afraid or ashamed, but God's heart and God's desire is to speak to you and to speak to me face to face, as a man speaks with his friend. And that's what prayer is all about. This week's Focus on Prayer is all about us and God speaking face to face. If we are talking to one of our friends, that what prayer, that's what prayer is. That's the relationship that God is wanting with us, with each one of us in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon. I know I've got that muddled up. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, in the middle of the night. He wants us to speak with him, talk with him. Like it says in Genesis 3, to walk with him in the cool of the day. Not ashamed. Not feeling good, not lacking in anything. Feeling that we can approach him full of grace. We can approach him for who we are. For I always hear, I, you always hear me say to you from the front, you know, the Lord loves us and, there, and, there, and he is who he says he is. But we are also who he says we are. We are children of God. We are new creations in Christ. We are who he says we are. We are co-heirs of Christ. Nothing less, nothing more. He calls us by name, each one of us, to walk with him, to talk with him, to embrace him as he embraces us fully, And it is this theme of the presence of God that carries on for the next few verses as God reassures Moses in the presence he will go with them. And this verse is like the backdrop for this morning. So if you can have this as the backdrop. And if you read through the book of Exodus, one of the many things we see are mountains. And this morning, I would like to take us on a journey up a mountain, and i know some of you feeling i don't want to go on a journey i'm feeling tired i'm feeling worried this morning but i like us to go on a journey together to see a view in fact three views i like us to go together we're going to go together because that's what fellowship we go together on a journey to reach the top so we can see what we need to see and sometimes we keep to the bottom of the mountain we get we forget what is at the top, where the view is. So let's go to the top, and let's see what the Lord wants us to see. In Exodus, we see Moses going up and down mountains to seek the Lord, to hear from the Lord, to take instruction from the Lord, to find out what he was supposed to do next. Throughout the Old Testament, Mount Horeb was the mountain of God, the place of God's presence, the place where Moses met with God. And as I've said before, I want us to climb the mountain of God together. I want us to get up high, so high. I don't know about you, but I love views. I love um, seeing miles and miles ahead. It's almost like I feel like I can reach the heavens. I can pray without any distraction. I love big views. I love seeing for miles of beauty, of hilltops, of seas, of whatever I'm seeing, but it, it is an awesome view. And I want us to look at three views this morning. I want us to look at the view of the past and the present and the future. We're going to look at the some past moves of God. We're going to look at the present and what the Lord is doing right now. And we're going to look at the future and turn our attention to the future. So let's go up together. Today is less about the journey, it's more about the view. So let's go to the view of the past first. Do you know the history of this nation is one that is riddled with the moves of the Spirit of God? So many. God has had his hand on these islands for many, many years. As we look back at the past, And we see God's presence has always been with us. On New Year's Eve, 1738, John Wesley and 60 of his good friends gathered on Fetter Lane in London. And he wrote this, About three in the morning, as we continued in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us in such great power, and many cried out for exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. And one of, Wesley's, one of Wesley and his friend's regular habits was that they would gather together, to, like tonight, to worship and pray. And it was out of these gatherings of prayer and worship that something huge swept across the country. John Wesley was propelled out of his prayer room to preach around the country, often having to use fills as he wasn't given a pulpit there's a famous painting of him uh, of him preaching on his father's gravestone his father was a preacher And um, a rector, and actually, John Wesley was his curate. And one day, he turned up at his father's church to preach, and they wouldn't let him in. So he went to the gravestone, and he started preaching. He was standing on good foundations. He was standing on what his father believed in, the father that was before him believed in. And he preached the gospel. He preached the word. For he knew it was true. He knew it was alive. He knew what he believed in. Was not for not just for today. It is forever. Wesley travelled over two hundred fifty thousand miles on horseback just to share the love of Jesus that he had found. And behind him, he raised up an army of preachers, preachers who preached the gospel. To, the, to this generation, to this country, preaching the gospel, giving the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is alive, that we are forgiven, that we are free as people of God to do all that he's called us to do. And his brother Charles I think of James when I think of this, and the many worship leaders that, you know, that the Lord is raising up in this country. Charles, Charles, Wesley, wrote 6,000 worship songs. 6,000. Their friend George Whitfield became the greatest preacher of his generation. On one occasion, preaching 15,000 people without a mic. I've got a mic And I'm preaching to how many of you? 200. And all this spurred on by a commitment to prayer and to seeing God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, what we've just prayed together. And Wesley spoke about his conversion. He spoke of his heart being strangely warmed by the presence of God. And it sparked a great revival and the move of the Spirit across the nation. And then as we move from England to Northern Ireland in 1857, a group of young men started meeting every Friday night in a schoolhouse in a small town called Kells. And they gathered together and they prayed for revival with no sight of it. And they prayed, and they prayed for two years, praying and it said and after two years of prayer revival broke out it is said that in this move of god 100,000 people came to christ churches had to be built all over northern ireland to fit people in there were stories all sorts for, there were stories about all sorts of people experiencing the power of god and the presence of god not just in church but people encountering the power of God in the street just as they walked past the buildings of where they prayed. People encountering God. Revival was in the air. As it is now, there was something you could catch a contagious love of God, far spread, far beyond the reaches of those few men gathered to prayer. And then in 1904, a young chap in his 20s named Evan Robert was studying for the ministry when he was called back to his hometown in South Wales to see revival come. On the 31st of October, 1904, in a small Sunday school room in Moriah Chapel, Evan gathered with a group of friends. It's always gathering with a group of friends. To pray that the Holy Spirit would move powerfully. And revival came within weeks. And the spirit spread across Wales like wildfire. And over 100,000 people got saved during that revival. You could see the signs of revival everywhere. The miners would return from the mines with black faces, but also, though, with, with running down their faces, white streaks from where they had cried, with tears running down their faces from tears of joy and repentance which comes, which are the characteristics and the hallmarks of revival. Many pit ponies could no longer respond to instruction as the miners' language was cleared up and the ponies no longer could recognize their kindness. The crime rate dropped so drastically that often judges would arrive at a town and would have no one to try. People would come out of their homes and and get saved on the way to work as the atmosphere was so thick with the Spirit of God. The Welsh Revival sparked revivals all around the world, not just Wales. And the prayer of Evan Roberts prayed was, Come Holy Spirit, for Jesus Christ's sake. Come Holy Spirit, for Jesus Christ's sake. And that is our prayer today. Come, Holy Spirit, for Jesus Christ's sake. One of the songs that was sung was, Here is love vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. And then in 1949, the Isle of Lewis in Scotland, Two elderly sisters, Christine and Peggy Smith, age 82 and 84, one blind and one crippled by severe arthritis, developed a longing for God to do something in their small parish. A longing, a longing. I have that longing. Do you have that longing? To do something in their small parish. In the Isle of Lewis. Right in the very northwest of Scotland, Scotland, they prayed and prayed in their little cottage until eventually they became convinced that something was about to happen. One sister said to the other, I believe revival is coming to the parish, she said. In 1949, they told their minister, James Murray McKay, to get the church praying, and they did. They met to pray three nights a week and saw visions among them about what was coming. James McKay invited a preacher called Duncan Campbell to to speak at his church immediately. And Campbell refused, but he said he put a date in the diary for the following year. But the sisters knew better and told the church that Campbell must come now because it's happening now. And they were right. Over the next three years, thousands came to faith. A revival spread across the Hebrides, and it all began with two old ladies praying, 82, 84, I love it. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from this place. The history of this nation is riddled with the moves of the Spirit of God. God has had his hand on this country for years and years and years and years. And as we look back at the past, we see, and that is just a few of the revivals, we see God's hand on us. We see what prayer does. When we humble ourselves to seek the Lord for others, we are the bridges to other people coming into the kingdom. Our prayers, the way we turn our hearts towards the Lord matters. The way we seek the Lord matters. And it spurs us on and gives us great faith to see what God is doing, and let us look what is God doing right now. Well, for a start, there's this fantastic initiative from the Archbishop of Canterbury by Kingdom Come. And if you haven't seen it or you haven't looked it up on uh, internet, thykingtocome.com, there are some fantastic interviews with many leaders from all different streams of churches being interviewed uh, with, by the Archbishop of Canterbury about what they think thy kingdom come, the prayer means. And it is a wonderful expression of the unity of church coming together. A wonderful, wonderful conversations, beautiful things said to one another all across the country and all across the world. Not only England is praying, but the whole world is praying. People are getting connected in prayer. From the 10th, from last Thursday to the 20th of May, we're praying. But it just carries on from there. It's not just about this point, and you can sign up to prayer, but it's more about your heart, that intimacy, that speaking to God as a friend, face to face. It starts there. There are things like the 27, 24-7 prayer movement. I mean, I look at what they're doing, and it is extraordinary. The, the Lord's hand is on that, that movement. And when you ask Pete, Greg, what were you, you know, this great strategy, what were you thinking? You know, how are you, how are you thinking? How is that going to happen? He goes, I didn't have a strategy whatsoever. It was organic. It was the Spirit of God just sort of did his thing, the Lord is so much bigger than we are. He thinks outside the box when we try and try, we don't, cannot contain God or the way he moves. But what we can do is we bring our hearts to him. The Lord at the right now is on many individuals, many leaders, many leaders, many churches, Wonderful churches up and down the country, not just vineyards. Many wonderful, the Methodists, all you know, the Anglicans, they're doing extraordinary things. The Lord is on the move. The Lord is on the move. And I'm from here, it's not just me that's saying that. Many people are saying that. The Lord is on the move. The wonderful churches like HTB have blessed the world with Alpha. Over 25 million people have tried Alpha. It's been translated into 112 different languages and now runs in every part of the global church, including Protestant, Orthodox, Catholic churches. churches. I was very fortunate to go to the leadership conference, which has just been at the Albert Hall, which was fantastic, I have to say. It was from start to finish. I was right in the gods. I was right up at the gods. I don't know if you know the Albert Hall. So it has the massive place like that. And then there's a standing room. And I, if the standing room's there. And then if you look down the center, there's a seat, a row seat. And I was right up the top. And the Lord even blessed me there. I went on my own, and there was this little seat. I was late. I had to walk, you know, how you get through. Sorry, so sorry, so sorry, you know, to get to my seat. And when I sat down, I turned to the person next to me, and I said, hi, I'm Kate Woodward. And, um, and she was from the Audacious Church. Oh, this blessed me. From Manchester, where my son is. I know. And I was just, for me, because I've been praying for that a lot, and I watched Manchester, that was the Lord's blessing for me a leader from the Audacious Church, and they blessed me hugely. They blessed me with their love, their friendship, their kindness. We prayed together for Nat and all his friends in Manchester. We pray for Manchester, for that place, for the love of God to be found on the streets, for the youth of today to see it, to find it, to understand it, to reach it, to behold it as for them. Anyway, I'm getting to the point. I'm going off slightly at tangents, but anyway. But there was one story from the whole of this conference, which was just so, so lovely, and speaks of what the Lord is doing right now, that I want to show you a little video. And, um, and it's of a young lad from Northern Ireland. And he is now at Causeway Coast Vineyard, Northern Ireland, but... But I didn't know that until at the end of the Albert Hall, but you'll understand why when I tell the rest of it. But why don't you just watch this video? Anyway, in the Albert Hall, Nicky Gumbel was up there, and he was, um, as he was about to start his, I think, 86 small alpha group, which him and Pippa do, he called up some people. Actually, I just need the tissue. I need to quickly burn my nose. He called up some people to um, who just got saved, and... The first guy was fantastic. He was this massive bodybuilder who towered over Nicky. And it was really quite funny. And Nicky felt very safe with him. And then, the, and then the next chap came up. And he was this lovely young chap. Lovely. He had a really short back and size. Very so young. Very young. And I thought, oh my gosh, he looked like Nat's age, 19. And, uh, and um, for, anyway, he just came up. And Nicky says to him, tell us your story, Ryan. So Ryan starts the story. So Ryan's brought up in Northern Ireland. I've got a little—I didn't mean to get an accent. Then he's brought up in Northern Ireland, and um, he—he's he, born in Belfast. And his his biological father is um, is works is in terrorism and is basically against the Catholics. So you know you can all all sorts of things come to mind for that. Anyway, he does lots of things, and he has to go to Scotland. At that point, his mother moves to the other side of town, which is the Catholic side, and then gets involved with uh, a guy who it does the same thing that his biological father did, but for the Protestants. So you can imagine this poor young chap, and he gets into drugs and whatnot. He gets you know, into heroin, he gets into coke, and he gets into um, marijuana. Anyway, so he meets, a, meets someone, and uh, he meets a Christian who tells him, about God, but he's in prison at this point, and he he and he tells him about God through Alpha, and um, I don't know I'm telling you about it a but the, the beautiful thing is he gets saved in prison, and the power of God really falls on him afresh. The power of God calms and transforms this young chap's life, because he's about to before he's when he's before he goes into prison, he's doing lines of coke. And he says, "You know, I'm just sitting there going, "What is all this about?" And we have a generation today, the 19th to the 25, who are the loneliest generation ever, I'm sure, are saying, "What is this all about? What is this all about?" So he sits there going, "What is all this about? There must be more to life." So anyway, he goes into prison. So you're at the Albert Hall, and there's this lovely young Irish guy, Ryan, talking about his experiences in the power of God. And then Nikki Gumball brings up his um, prison guard, who was with him when he was in prison. And so the prison guard, this is on the Albert Hall. So the prison guard comes up all in his outfit, comes up on the stage too. And um, so there's the prison guard, the officer, and, and the Ryan. And uh, it's a very sweet story. So Ryan gets completely saved, transformed and ends up on Causeway Coast Vineyard's leadership team. He's on staff, full of God, transformed. He's married with kids and everything. Anyway, the prison guard who knew Ryan when he was in prison, would often call him a frequent flyer, flyer, frequent flyer, and because he was there a lot, came to Causeway Coast Vineyard one day. And Ryan had to give a notice about Alpha. So anyway, the pl- The officer was sitting in there and could not believe what he saw was this Ryan at the front of this church talking about God and the way he was. He just couldn't get it. He just couldn't believe it. He just didn't trust Ryan to start with. Anyway, so this this prison guard gets on to do Alpha because he feels like for his young daughter, he wants to, to bring her to know Christ. So anyway, one day, so it's about week three on this week. So there's quite a lot of people doing Alpha at this point. But this week, no one turns up except for Ryan and his officer. <laughs> and the officer has not, confront, has not talked to Ryan since he's joined the Alpha. And at this point, the, the, guard, the officer guard talks about how Ryan prays for him. And he said, very similar to Wesley, I felt a heartwarming presence and all that I had been carrying just taken away from me. It was such a beautiful story, true story, seeing this young chap redeemed, that people had gone bothered, going into the prisons to talk about Alpha, to talk about Jesus Christ, and he was saved and restored Given a new life, given a new hope. The Lord is on the move in so many ways, in so many ways. So now let's turn to the future. What does the future hold? What does the future hold? I can see a new dawn coming. Recently, at see, which is our Vineyard National Leaders Conference, Pastor Agu from Jesus Place had a prophetic assignment, assignment he said, to the vineyard. He said he came feeling that he had something to give the movement, and I'm giving it to you now, part of what he felt, he said. But I feel like it's significant. He said what he felt like the Lord say was that vineyard was a significant part of the army. And I'm not just talking to this church. This is the whole of the vineyard. And the vineyard and all the expressions of the vineyard up and down the country, all across the world, doing church in their way, doing it differently. But he said, the Vineyard Movement is a really significant part of the army. But where much is given, much is expected. We have been given a lot. We've given a lot of the presence and the power of God. We've been given a lot in the worship. We must never, ever underestimate or be unthankful for what he's given us, the vineyard. And he talked about Elijah, which you find in 1 Kings 17. But he talked about before, before a move of God comes and Elijah comes, and I really haven't got time to go into it, but it's more about... Well, Elijah, is. there is a spirit of faith with Elijah, Dare to believe God for the impossible. There's a spirit against all odds believes that God will do what he says he will do. A, a spirit of prayer to humble ourselves in prayer for this generation and all the generations to come. The generations in a 100 years we need to pray from And with a different view, we need to go to the mountaintop. We need to think big picture, not just for the church, for ourselves, our family, for the church, our personal family. We need to see the view, to see God coming, and to embrace it fully. We need to pray for the next generations, humbly, to walk humbly with the God To thank him for all the expressions that he has brought many of the churches. To believe in God that he is who he says he is. But also to believe in God that we are who he says we are. To stand in confidence. To stand in faith. To stand with a new dawn rising to say yes in our hearts when God calls us to seek him and live, says Amos. There is so much I could say, but I feel like the Lord is saying stop now. The Lord is doing a new thing. The Lord is not just doing a new thing. He's doing a mighty thing. The Lord is not just doing a new thing, a mighty thing. He's doing something that is real. Because he is real. And he is alive today and now and forever. And we are to grasp hold of him and to go with him and walk with him in the cool of the day and speak with him face to face like a friend would speak to a friend. Why don't you stand? So let's have the band back. So let's ask what? Let's ask the Lord what he wants to do right now.